What is good? Let's have some fun. The Fundamism Podcast with your host Paul J. Long and all things fun. We'll let the fun begin. Woo! What is good, Fundamism community? And welcome to the Fundamism Connecting the Workplace and Life Through Fun Podcast. This is a podcast where we explore all things fun and we feature guests that help organizations and individuals drive a culture of experience. Now, how do we do that? Well, it is of my opinion that to create a culture of experience, you have to ask questions that matter and show a genuine interest in others. So I am super excited for this guest today. He's one of the most fun individuals I've ever met. He's got an incredible story. So this episode is going to be all about reinventing yourself, reinventing yourself, reinventing your, your organizational culture, Whatever you're into, if you don't like your life experience, well, then you need to introduce new experiences in life. No one does it better than this gentleman right in front of me, Mr. Cam F. Awesome. How's it going, Cam? It's going quite well. So, uh, Cam, again, we're trying to create some memorable experiences. So I'm sure you've been out and about. You travel a lot for work, and we're going to get into that just briefly. And oftentimes, when you meet new people, there's very surfacey conversations that come up. Could you agree with that? Yeah, and I, I think uh, I, I've spoken to so many strangers, I'm kind of desensitized to that. Sure. Where I hate strangers, and I feel like the best way to get rid of them is to get to know them. And <laughs> I, I cross that boundary way too early. Sure. I want to get real personal off the bat, because if, if you're turned off by that, eventually you're not going to like me, so let's get it out of the way of, in the very beginning. Guys, we are, guys and ladies, we are about a minute and 40 seconds into uh, this podcast, and Cam just did an effective job of, of showcasing why exactly he's here. Bars. He spits bars, ladies and gentlemen. Bars. The bulk of folks don't understand how to drive a more memorable experience. And in my, in my experience, what I've come across uh, when meeting new people, Cam, when I walk away from an individual after talking with them, the folks that I respect more often than not typically did a great job focusing their attention more on me than themselves and asking questions that matter. And so specifically what I found is the, the interactions that didn't resonate with me were folks talking about work, weather, and family. Because that's what everybody's talking about, Oh, right? man. When, yeah, people, I don't care about your family. Especially if I don't <laughs> care about you, I'm not going to get... Don't show me pictures of your kids. If you got dogs, I'll take pictures of those. Probably not cats, but I don't care about your kids. Don't care about your wife. I know what the weather is. I don't even, I have the app on my phone and I still go outside to see what the temperature is. Yeah. I think people, people want, they, they're, everyone's trying to kind of fit in this bubble of like, I'm normal and everyone is a terrible person. Everyone has bad habits. And I just feel like a lot of people are faking the funk and that's why they go with that dry cut conversation. Every athlete has like a lot of the top level athletes, they like, cause I am one, but a lot of the top level athletes, they have to take these media classes. And that's why everyone fits in that bubble because it's, oh uh, yeah. Uh, so we came to play and, uh, they came to play and then we, we played. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I want to thank God. All right. Thank you. That's why every interview sounds like that because everyone wants to just seem normal. Sure. Everyone's not normal. Well, uh, one thing that I appreciate about what you just said is you slipped in very, very nicely a Shaquille O'Neal reference, yeah. faking the funk on a nasty dunk. So we're not going to talk about work, weather, or family much. You know, we might uh, lend ourselves down uh, a few paths because I think it's important for our listeners to understand who you a are and what you yeah. do. Absolutely. But uh, more importantly, and most importantly, we're really going to get to know you and uh, what makes you fun and what makes you who you are, because that's, that's what fundamentalism is all about. So fundamentalism, ladies and gentlemen, are the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. So simply put, they're the things that we gravitate towards that give us strength as opposed to tear us down. So if indeed you've ever had a bad day, like we all have, many folks, they get mired in that negativity. But folks that thrive in life, that are more optimistic, they typically, they gravitate towards things that give them strength. So in that moment where they're feeling down on themselves or stressed out, they do something fun. So before we get too far down the path of who you are and what you do, Cam, what do you do for fun? 
I think of words. Okay. When you just said fundamentalism and optimism, in my head, I'm like, optical. And those could be your, the name of your rose-colored glasses. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. Rose-colored glasses, of course, in reference to how we see life, right? Yeah, bars. Man, you are spitting today. So, uh, Cam, I know that you do a lot of other fun things. So you, you make up words. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, oh I, my fun, and I don't share this too often, maybe a few times, but uh, every morning, the literally the first thing I do every morning before I check my email, before I check... Uh, anything. I check Craigslist misconnections. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so <laughs> I've been doing it pretty much every day since 2009 when I found out. So on Craigslist in the personals section, there's like, like dating and whatever, but there's one called misconnections. So let's say you're out at like high V and you make eye contact with somebody and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. And then you freeze up and don't say anything. You would post on Craigslist Misconnection like I was the dude in the blue Flint Tropics hat with the obnoxiously short shorts and you were the blonde chick uh, holding carrots. And because in my imagination, she's vegan, too. Yo. And uh, and then you post that on Craigslist and then you hope that she also goes on there. And sees that. And was intrigued by my short shorts. Yes. Like, yeah. that's a lot of leg. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's it, the new thing. So for our listeners, uh, obviously you can't see what I'm wearing, but... Um, quad you know, game strong. Quad game. Yeah. So they say don't skip leg day. Nope. Uh, dude, I, I'm, I'm working on that. Uh, yeah, you posted a picture. You looking good, man. Thank you. You looking ripped. Thanks. I appreciate that. Nips was... It looked a little yeah, cold out man, there. it was. My yeah. bad. My bad. But uh, you know what? To be honest... You're an individual that many folks look up to from a fitness perspective. I mean, I, I've seen your your Twitter profile pic. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Throwback Thursday Every Day. Yes. That was uh, 27 years ago. 27? <laughs> <laughs> oh. all, all of my selfies are in black and white. Our mans isn't that old, guys. Uh, so, so I know that you do some other fun things. We talked about misconnections. Tell me about... Oh, also, I never post on there. I always just look. Sure, that's what he says, and ladies and gentlemen. Even when I haven't been in Kansas City for months, I only look in Kansas City because I also hope that I see somebody that I like. See somebody on there that I know that's being missed. <laughs> it's never happened. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna catfish them? Uh, I don't know. I've I've been literally checking every day since 2009. No one has missed me. Sure, <laughs> it's very ineffective, but it, it's. I think I I enjoy the excitement of the possibility every morning. So I wake up excited. Uh, well, I'm just sitting across from you, and we're staring at each other awkwardly. And uh, Cam is one of those individuals that always has a smile on his face. And eh. I'm sure many folks believe this, but enthusiasm is contagious. And Cam is one of those individuals that when you're around him, you want to be more like him. You want to have more fun with him. And that's because he just embodies what fundamentalism is. Now, he's been this way for a long time, as long as I've known him. Um, Cam, you were, you were put onto the map, if you will. <laughs> as a USA boxer. And so just a little background on Cam. Um, he was, he's won more amateur boxing titles uh, than I know words. Yeah. Um, he's a phenomenal comedian. He's a motivational speaker. And he does so many things out in the community that, uh, that I admire him a great deal. So tell us a little bit about your experience getting in the limelight as a boxer. Uh, <clears throat> well, sometimes I just want to be able to take my kids to the park without being harassed and asked for autographs. You don't, you don't have kids. Also, I don't go to the park. Okay. <laughs> and also no one recognizes me. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it, I think it, it's, I have, I have a lot of followers on social media and most of those are like middle school and high school kids. Uh, I'm not famous. I'm recognizing like, like Europe or something. Cause boxing's big out there, but here nothing really matters. Like no one, Ever stopped. I, I've been recognizing like the airport, like, oh, you're the, the wrestling dude, man. Yeah, keep up the good work. The wrestling dude. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's better than like, oh, man, good luck, man. Ready for the season? Like, I don't play for the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, funny story about that. So I went through the Wendy's parking lot or drive through the other day and I got some red shorts on, a Chief shirt, and uh, my, my red New Balances, which of course are fire if you've ever seen them. Hot. They're so hot. Uh, hey, just a quick question. Who are the five hottest rappers of all time? Uh, if I had to go down the list? Yes. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Oh, man. Because he spits that hot fire. He spits that hot fire. <laughs> You're either going to make close. this song. You're too close. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm walking through or I'm driving through the drive-thru. I feel like we should, we should have more walkthroughs. Um, yeah. Because uh, after, and that's my issue. Now that I have a van, like 
It doesn't. It fit. doesn't fit the drive-thrus. Yes. And after 10 p.m., like you have to go. Like there's, you can't go inside. So there should be walkthroughs. Sure. So uh, you know, Cam, you mentioned having a van. We're going to talk a little bit more about that before we wrap up because I think it's important for everybody to understand what you're doing. But uh, I, I'm walking through, driving through uh, this Wendy's drive-through, and I pay. I pay the high school gentleman working at the at the counter. And we're sitting there awkwardly because there's two cars in front of me and they're yet to get their food. And, and uh, I'm on my phone, you know, just killing time. And so the guy, I just feel him just staring at me and he goes, all right, bro. I just got to ask, do you play for the chiefs? <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, uh, cause all the chiefs players drives Honda Accords and wears their own Jersey. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So I said, uh, Oh no, man, but I appreciate you saying that. And he says, Oh, well, I just figured there was a good chance because you're all veined out and you're sporting all the Chiefs stuff. So, I, you know, I took that as a plus. You respect the gains, baby. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, side note, twice so far when I've been in Kansas City, once was at, uh, at on Shining Mission Parkway at, at Sharks, and the other one was at Birdies at 79th and Antioch. My tab was covered. Thank you, Mr. Charles. Oh, because you do kind of resemble a little Jamal Charles. Uh, I would take it. My only thing that upset me was I didn't know they were paying for my bill until after I was done. I'd been ordering top shelf stuff all <laughs> night. Like, this is what Jamal Charles do, baby. That's not on you, man. Yeah. <laughs> if they're paying for Jamal Charles' bill, they yeah. expect it to be somewhat pricey, right? Yeah. Like, oh, he just had two pineapple juice vodkas <laughs> light on the vodka. <laughs> is that, was it Kettle One? Oh, no, no. I go Wells. I, I've learned that when you go to restaurants and bars, they pour the Kirkland's crap in all of the bottles. Well, they, did you know they refill the bottle? But Kirkland's is actually Grey Goose anyway. It's made oh, by. Kirk, did you know that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and it's it's literally in the same bottle. Yeah, and, and the Tito's. Yeah. Uh, but they pour the cheap stuff in all of those bottles, and no one can tell the difference. Oh man, that's terrible. So like, oh, I'll take take around like Wells. They're like, oh, you drink Wells? I'm like, so are you. <laughs> That's that, very cheap. That is not a fundamentalism, Cam. So, uh, you know, one, one of the fundamentalisms that speaks to me greatly is, of course, just doing right by others and, and being kind. And that is, I believe, a mantra that you kind of, you walk through your life. I know that you do a lot of charity work, but what gave you the opportunity to, to do all this charity work and to be out and about and to be a motivational speaker and be a successful comedian, because you're one of the funniest guys that I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it, it took an opportunity that you seized. That happens to people all the time. So specifically, our listeners walk through life every single day, and they have an opportunity. But oftentimes, because we're so mired in what we do, or negativity, or the things that aren't working, we miss out on these opportunities. Now, not every opportunity is as great as the one that you had, where you're boxing in front of you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people, but everybody has opportunity. So you fight a gentleman... And you have a post-fight interview, and you uh, mentioned your you mentioned your Twitter followers, and while a lot of them, yes, I'm sure, are students that you speak of, you got a lot of followers from one specific moment in your life. Oh yeah, what was it? Uh, I was fighting in uh, Toronto in the Pan Am Games and running through the six. Shout, shout out to Drake. This <laughs> running through the six. Sorry, Uncle Pusher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was fighting, and I made it to the semifinals, and I was fighting Can- uh, Cuba. I beat Canada the day before. And so, like, the crowd didn't like me that day, but now they're on my side. That's how it works. And I was fighting Cuba, and there's a big rivalry between America and Cuba. And uh, I knew it was going to be, I was, I was going to be fighting the one guy in the world. If I beat him, it would be, like, a big deal. It would put me on the map. And right before, like, when I was heading to the ring, they're like, hey, Cam, what's up? Like, it's going to be played live on ESPN. No pressure. I'm like, ah. But I wasn't worried because I would win. And uh, after the fight was over, like, I was pretty excited because I knew I was about to, I beat him. And then they announced the winner and they're like, and the winner from the, and they didn't say me. And I, I used to always like, I used to throw tantrums and be negative when I lost. Uh, I would used to go by Kanye West because I was always throwing tantrums. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I thought I was like, maybe Kanye should come out. And I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to like, trying to, I'm trying to practice fundamentalism. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't know the term back then, but yeah. that's, we're on the same path. Respect. So I just like kind of waved to the crowd and bowed. And because I felt like that's what Beyonce would have done. And like, I was like beelining for the locker room and I was very upset. And like, when you leave the ring, you go through the fan tunnel, you like high five, whatever. Then you go to the media center, give interviews and you go to the locker room. And I was going through the fan tunnel. It's awkward because no one high fives a loser. And there were Cuban people. Uh, and you're like, how do you know they're Cuban? Well, they had these Cuban flags and they're yelling, Cuba! 
That's a good indication. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking, I was like, how'd they make it this far north? <laughs> and one of the dudes took the flag. He like flapped it in my face purposely. Sure. Like established eye contact. Yeah. He did it. Calling it, you out. Yeah, He's slapped, establishing dominance. Oh, actually. he was. It yeah. slapped me in the face. And I was like, all right. Another flag hits me. I'm gonna fight my second Cuban person today. Oh, and uh, that a flag hit me, and in my head, I was gonna take like one big leap, throw a punch if I missed, snatch his flag, stomp it in front of everybody, and I was like, nah, Beyonce wouldn't do that. Right, Sasha Fierce. <laughs> like, and I turned around, and then like Tony Collins from ESPN puts the microphone in my face. Yeah, and yeah, I I've developed a thing. Even when I'm upset, even most of the time I'm just hangry, but. I just, I have this like, I use humor in a condescending way. And I've always done that with interviews anyway. But this was kind of like a little more intense because I was genuinely upset. Uh, and when you interview me, you ask me a question. I answer whatever question I feel like in answer, in answer form. Like, they're like, hey, Cam, how do you think the fight goes? Like, what I ate for breakfast was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I rambled a bunch of stuff and uh, got off, like, Done, was done with the interview. I don't technically remember doing any of it because I was like blackout rage. Sure. And when I got back to the hotel and I got Wi-Fi, because Canada's weird, uh, Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers, which is an actual oh. band and not Wait, a show he's in related Disney. to them? Huh? He's related to the Jonas Brothers? Nick he's Jonas's? one of them. I didn't even... Oh. I thought it was a... I thought Jonas Brothers was like a Disney show. You got me in chains. What? That's a Nick Jonas reference. Oh. You wouldn't know that because you don't listen to Nick Jonas. <laughs> we, Nick Jonas need to drop a, a hip hop album. But he tweeted like I was his hero because in the interview, uh, I referred to myself as I said, I'm not the tell us, I'm not saying I'm the tell us with the boxing, but I'm not not saying I'm tell us with boxing, which doesn't mean anything. But I just ramble. And he like tagged Taylor Swift and like she retweeted it and then it went out to millions of people. And uh, and I, I feel like people was attracted to and loved it because I was in a place where I could have just easily taken a negative route and I found a positive light and I tried to make humor mm. out of the situation. And because of that opportunity, everyone saw that video and it got played on a bunch of late night shows. Uh, Sports Nation hit me up to come on their show. I did, uh, I got to host Highly Questionable a couple times as well and did a bunch of charity events and uh, flew around the country to these fancy dinner parties like these companies are bringing me to. That's they amazing. paid me to eat. So uh, again, you, you referenced another fundamentalism where you're, you're hangry. Uh, part of that, I think, stems from the fact that you're vegan and you don't eat enough protein. But that's just my <laughs> own personal opinion. Um, we'll get to that here in a second. But so, so you're angry, you're frustrated, you're not feeling great. You, you actually want to come to blows with a complete stranger because they're disrespecting you. And you turn that, that angriness into an experience that actually captured uh, millions of people's hearts. And what's interesting you're obviously familiar, and our listeners are familiar with the gentleman by the name of Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, he's made some questionable decisions in, in life. Um, one could argue that he's not the best human being out there. I don't know him, so I, I can't say yeah. that. Uh, however, one thing that I do know and I respect is not only is he potentially the greatest pound-for-bound boxer of all time. Uh, it's, you cannot even argue that. He by far is, because the idea is belts and money. Sure. He's gotten so many belts that you have to pay a tax on belts. So yes. the, like WBC, you have to pay them a certain amount a year or whatever. Yeah. He wins the belt and gives it back. He says, I don't want it. I'm not paying mm. for that. I'm bigger than the belt. So he already, he demolished the belt game. No one's done that. Sure. Also, he's made more money than any other half athlete in the history of sports. And he has $0 in endorsements and he's undefeated. There's no argument. You can say, you can say that like Ali was a good, like cultural spoke, spokesperson and he was great outside of the ring and out of, he, he he changed lives, but Mayweather is the greatest boxer of all time. So, and not only was he the greatest pound-for-bound boxer of all time, you, you really hit on the second thing that he did phenomenally well, better than just about any, if not any boxer out there ever. He was the best promoter of all time. Oh, yeah. And so he would turn his wins into fandom just by, just by he would tweet pictures of his bank account. Yeah. And so he got off on the original troll, just throwing all the money into his bank account, which he was super smart about doing. And then people were infatuated with that lifestyle and how he carried himself. And he was just a masterful promoter. And they hated him. And they hated him. <laughs> and you see Manny Pacquiao and like Manny Pacquiao's like going to church with his mom. And like, they're all like living, like he doesn't have a big fancy house or anything. You sure. see videos of him in the Philippines, just being a down to earth person. 
And you're like, I like that guy. That Mayweather guy, I don't like him. And people pay to watch Mayweather lose. Yeah. And then he wins. And then he posts the pictures of the money. Well, the reason why I brought that up, Cam, is because I feel like, so you're, you're a phenomenal boxer. I mean, and you know, I have an amazing story in that realm. How many championships, titles, whatever you want to call them, do you have? Uh, I have uh, four Golden Glove National Championships, and, uh, eight USA National Championships, three PAL National Championships, and probably about 20 international medals. The only thing I haven't accomplished is like the Olympics. And we're going to talk about that because I think that's the, uh, an important aspect of, of your story and uh, reinventing oneself. But um, what's interesting about that is you're a phenomenal boxer and your skill set is unmatched. I mean, many argue that you're the top amateur fighter in the world. I would, I would say that. And your and, titles and your belts yeah. uh, obviously I've prove that. I've just been Kevin Duranting it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't know who you are, Cam, if it wasn't for... The Taylor Swift of boxing. Oh yeah, I, and I was I was originally mad because I I missed my opportunity of like getting put on the map for beating the number one guy, but I for sure grew so much more from losing that fight than I would have ever winning that fight a hundred mm. times. What's amazing to me, and I think the the correlation between your story and in that regard and our listeners is. There are some folks listening to this podcast right now, Cam, that are phenomenal at what they do. They're, they're the most phenomenal marketer. They're the most phenomenal leader. They're the most phenomenal trash man. Whatever, whatever garbage man, whatever you're great at, you're phenomenal at it. But they're so quiet, they keep to themselves. They don't necessarily do a great job of connecting with others and creating that culture of experience that folks don't know the value that they offer. So they're missing out on an opportunity to market themselves and potentially live life uh, through more fundamentalism. Well, it goes to what you said in the very beginning, where you all the memorable experience, all the non-memorable experiences you have are when people are talking about themselves, mm. and it's difficult to talk about how amazing you are if someone doesn't know you, because then you just come off as that guy, narcissistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's why I like to go when people are like, "What do you do?" I'm like, "I'm a case manager for Big Brother Big Sister." <laughs> Joe's, hey, he has health insurance, probably bringing 40k a year. He can do more, <laughs> but he's educated and he loves children. So uh, this guy's a quality guy. Well, speaking of quality guys, you had mentioned that you've won a lot of uh, titles um, and have received a lot of belts. And I know that you're, you're active with Big Brother, Big Sister, and you've done some phenomenal things with your belts in the past. So talk a little bit about um, your charitable heart. Uh, yeah. I, uh... Hmm. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I give my belts away. Yeah, yeah. You not want you didn't want to say yeah, that. I, I don't usually. Is there's one article that that came out about it, but like I, I just feel like there's so many people that and oh, and I had to get over this in my head. If you do a good deed, but you do it for attention or you do it for likes, it, I feel like it becomes disingenuous. And I like in my head, I'm like, if you feed a homeless person and you do it for likes that homeless person still has food. So you're still technically doing a good deed, but it just kind of feels a little disingenuous. So like, I don't promote it too much, but you know, I uh, give my belts to children with children fighting diseases, mostly cancer. So it's one thing if you bring stuff up to tell others because it makes you feel good or you yeah. want to show out. Um, it's another thing if somebody else recognizes the greatness that you're offering this world. And people need to know more about that, especially in today's society where we're hypersensitive to all the stuff that's not working. Yeah, and that's my biggest problem with society today is that people, everyone wants to judge others off of their words and not their actions. Mm. So I could be doing all this good stuff, and if I say something that offended you, although that wasn't my intentions, but you're just being oversensitive, uh, everyone just shun me and, and shut me out. And because that has it snowballed into this like a mob mentality. Everyone also like, if you see a weak person or someone who's getting crapped on, everyone just jumps on that person. Cause they're like, well, if I don't jump on that person, they're going to jump on me and uh, don't give a shit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach about the good things I do. So people can like me and I'm not, I'm not going to go out my way to offend people, but I'm not going to change who I am. Sure. Because it, then you're not you. Sure. That wouldn't be me. 
Well, um, in order for folks to understand what's out there to potentially pull them out of a rut and to understand all the different fundamentalisms that exist, sometimes it's important that we shed light on them. And so while um, obviously it's, uh, it's uncomfortable and admirable for, for you not to want to talk about that stuff, it's also super important that people see that um, it gives you strength. Like you, you enjoy helping others and you do it because it helps your heart and your mind. Yeah. You don't do it because you want to show out. Yeah, it's my selfish, selfless act. Beautiful. Love it. That was very, that was very well put together. Bars. You just, there's a theme here, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag that. So uh, you're very fun. Your energy is, is contagious. We've talked about that already. Um, I would argue that you've always been fun. However, to really, truly appreciate where you are, sometimes we have to uh, reflect another fundamentalism on where we've been. And so... Tell us about the most challenging moment in your life. You weren't always Cam F. Awesome, were you? No. Most challenging moment in my life, I would say, at least in the top three, uh, you pour a bowl of cereal, right? <laughs> Cereal's there. Okay. There's no milk. Okay. What do you do? Do you, do you go all the way to the grocery store? You're not going to put the cereal back in the box. No, you see? eat dry cereal. Wow. Yeah. I'm not it's like that. a snack. It's not, I, I don't like... Because my favorite type of cereal, Jif peanut butter cereal, great. But it will rip the insides of your mouth open with like... Because it's milk. so hard? It's, and, yeah, it's okay. hard. And I, I don't like crunchy. That's how much I don't like confrontation. Mm, so crunchy peanut butter is a... I don't think... Uh, first of all, it's oxymoron. Butter implies smooth. Okay. Crunchy is just a half-assed peanut butter. Okay. And I, I don't like anything like that. Respect. Yeah. Okay. And also, we're talking about it, strawberry jelly. Stra- is what? Only. That nothing else. Oh, you yeah. don't like grape? No. I don't like grape, and I don't think anybody should like grape. That's I'm actually I feel like starting that's an anti-grape campaign. That's messed up. Man. Actually, I don't even know how I feel about wine anymore. <laughs> give me strawberries and sangria. Stra- oh, stra- how about strawberry wine? Mm, do they make that? Did you see that? See what I just did yeah. there? Connected. Intertwined. It. Yeah. Yes. Intertwined. So, intertwined. sorry, I took us down a, a deep and dark path there. A tasty path. That's how much you... Delicious. Mm-hmm. That's how much you dislike confrontation is eating this, this cereal without milk. Where were you going? Uh, that, this is one of the difficult moments of my life. <laughs> what? Eating yeah. cereal without milk? <laughs> yeah. I mean, struggle. Hey, it's all perspective. That is true. Yeah. That like, is absolutely true. Like, I, I always talk about being grateful for what you have. And, and of course, you always want to be grateful, but you never want to be so grateful that you're no longer ambitious. So you should always want better, but you should be happy with what you have, which is very difficult for a lot of people to do. Sure. Also, bars. <laughs> tell me about, tell me about, tell me about Lenroy. Ah, uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Lenroy. Lenroy was uh, born eight sixteen eighty eight. He was born a young young man. Uh, he didn't have he didn't have dreads back then, and uh, he was he was a very troubled troubled child. He was a grandmother's boy, which he grew up his grandma, but. Uh, Grandma children aren't cool in school, and I wasn't, and Lenroy wasn't a very cool person. He gained a lot of weight, and then at 17, Lenroy decided to go to a boxing gym for the first time. When you say gained a lot of weight, what, what was you at your peak weight, your, your, your heaviest? Actually, I technically don't know because I never really, never really weighed myself, but I was at one point I was over 200 pounds, but I was significantly shorter than I am now. So that 200 pounds is a lot different. Sure. Uh, but I went to the, I, I chose a boxing gym because it's the only free gym in my neighborhood. And I figured if I would rollerblade in the morning and do boxing in the evening, I'd get in better shape. And I felt like if I looked like a boxer, like I would get girls and attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, spoiler alert, I, I was Lenroy. <laughs> I lost, <laughs> lost the pronoun game in this, uh, in this story. <laughs> uh, so after I, I made my goal weight, I decided to give myself one boxing match as like a gift to myself. And I didn't tell anyone because... I'm not, I've never been an aggressive person and I'm not really a fighter. I was kind of embarrassed to even say I was boxing because I just felt like everyone was like, oh, you, boxer, and laugh at me. So I like, had my first fight, didn't bring anyone out, uh, and I won. And I never won anything before because I never played a sport. I was just like, I like that feeling. Uh, it's the feeling I get basically every time I play Monopoly because mm, it's because you haven't played me. I run the board, son. Mm. What's yeah. your favorite Monopoly piece? Uh, I, I definitely go wheelbarrow. Oh. Wheelbarrow game, 100%. You know what crushes a wheelbarrow? nothing a car when it drives over it does it think about it no keep going all right <laughs> you got me on the car uh so i kept 
I kept going and I, I won a lot of fights in a row that I kind of was like, I want to tell people like, oh, I'm boxing. So I started posting on MySpace. It was mm. relevant at the time. Yeah. And, uh, so hot. Yeah. And, and you know what? I would say at least six out of the eight of my top eight are still in my life. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I keep, I keep it consistent. Mm. So I uh, continue boxing and I won states and then I won regionals and I, I got to nationals. I, I took third place, but I qualified for the Olympic trials in 2008. And, uh, that was super cool because I like I got like not my picture but my name was in the newspaper. I was like, "Yeah, I'm famous." Uh, ladies, 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 <laughs> calm down. It's like the equivalent of being IG famous, right? Uh, less actually. Yeah, it was com- significantly less. No one knew what I looked like. <laughs> no one could slide in my DMs. <laughs> They're just gonna write the paper, right. or maybe they can post on Craig's uh, on Craigslist misconnections. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Saw your story in the newspaper. <laughs> hey, that is a comedic gem right there. That was a, a callback. Call yeah. Call- bars yeah. <laughs> uh so i lost in the olympic trials i was in over my head it was wasn't very experienced boxer was boxing less than two years but what happens after the olympics is everyone turns pro it's like very common so everyone turned pro and i was like like i'm not gonna do that because my goal wasn't to be a boxer i just i like winning and i like to travel mm. and i never got to never even been on a plane until i started boxing so i was just like i'll just keep doing this and everyone turned pro which i was like still there so i was number one and 2008, won my first nationals and won basically nationals every year after that. Nine, 10, 11, and 2012, uh, won the Olympic trials, left the country to go, I think it was Azerbaijan or somewhere that you can't spell without spell check. And uh, they showed up to Kansas City to my home to randomly drug test. And uh, the way it works is like they knock on your door at 7 a.m., random drug test, wherever you say you're going to be. I said I was going to be home at the last time. They knock on your door at 7 a.m. Uh, and if you don't answer, they knock again at 7.05. 7.08, they call you. You have 52 minutes to make it back to your house. So if you're ever going to be more than an hour away from your house, you have to let them know. I knew that this was my job, but it totally slipped my mind. Going to the Olympics, I moved to LA uh, for boxing and doing all this traveling. And the last thing I remember when I was packing up to leave the country for two months is to email them, mm-hmm. just tell them I was leaving the country. And although you have to get drug tested to fight in the tournament that I fought in, uh, a missed drug test is a positive drug test and uh, got suspended and kicked off the Olympic team. Wow. Yeah. So before we go, go too much further, you know, you are an inspiration to a lot of folks. I admire you a great deal. This story is, is one of the most interesting I've ever heard, uh, hence the reason why you're on the Fundamism podcast. And as I travel, I talk to folks and I talk to them about you sometimes and your name comes up and they say, oh, is that the Taylor Swift dude? And, uh, and I say, yeah, he's a phenomenal guy. And they say, why, why didn't he ever turn pro? And so that's always the first question, yeah. which you get all the oh, time. Yeah. I see you battling that <laughs> in Twitter. And then the second question is, how come you didn't ever make the Olympics? And that's, that's the story that yeah. a lot of people know. Uh, I'm not out here to throw softballs, fam. I'm, I'm here to ask the real questions. So would you have passed that drug test? A lot of folks ask me that question. Uh, yeah, because a lot of people don't know this. And I don't even smoke weed, but they don't test you for weed. They don't test you for Coke, crack, heroin, meth. They don't test you for any of these things. Really? Yeah. They test you for uh, performance-enhancing, like, steroids. Sure. And deathly afraid of needles. Even if, even if the whole moral ethic parts had nothing to do with it. Sure. I physically couldn't. I pass out every time I give blood. Mm. Uh, they, they do test you for, uh, there's a, I can't pronounce it, one of those things that's in a monster energy drink okay. that you could test positive for. So it's like things like that they test you for. Sure. Stimulants uh, and yeah. things. That- and yeah, I would definitely, I mean, I fought in a tournament you have to get tested to, to yeah. fight in. That same week, just in a different country. He's no Brock Lesnar, ladies and gentlemen. But he's ripped. <laughs> and his picks are from 27 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you for your candidness. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons why I asked that question is um, to drive memorable experiences, ladies and gentlemen. And you've heard this in a previous podcast. I think it's imperative that folks express two quality traits. And, th- and those two things are relatability, um, the ability to have shared experiences with others. And then the second one that I found it was just very valuable in my life, which I think that you have as well, Cam, is being vulnerable, just being okay with who you are and the experiences that have shaped your life. And so I think it's imperative that we talk about stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't, didn't really think of it like that, but that is a part of the reason for the fun because I don't really, like, I, I don't do what everybody else is doing around. I don't go out of my way to like, oh, I'm going to be different, but I just do whatever I feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I like to wakeboard. I saw a video of wakeboarding. There's a wakeboarding park out in like Paola. Yeah. And like I wakeboard and be like, oh, Cam, okay, black people don't wakeboard. 
well, we don't, but we can. And I feel like wakeboarding, so I do that. I, I dress the way I feel like dressing. I wear a fanny pack. Like, I just don't care to fit in any bubbles. And I feel like if everyone took that approach, then it would be normal that everyone is different. Mm-hmm. That's making the funk. So, Shaquille O'Neal. So, first of all, shout out to the Paola Panthers. Respect. Osawatomie Trojans. We see you down there as well. Um, also, shout out to Shazam. Oh, Shazam! Shazam! Man, are they going to remake that? They should. Yeah. Actually, I, no, no, they shouldn't. Because great movies shouldn't be remade. And they shouldn't have made an Anchorman 2. And I didn't watch Super Troopers. Will one day. but The second made, one, you mean? Yeah, they, they shouldn't have made a second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, if something's great, you can, the only thing you can do if you add to it is make it worse. Fair enough. But, so, but will you watch the new Space Jam with LeBron Braun? He's not. Yeah, he is. Is that real? Yeah, that's for real. You haven't heard this? No. Um, bars. Oh, man. So, so, also, your fanny game, your fanny pack game is, is second to none. It is... Uh, it's hashtag convenient, baby. It's actually forced me... I have... I'm now the proud owner of two, count them, two uh, strong fanny packs. I got to show them to you. One, nice. One's beautiful red pleather. Oh. It's got like... It's got, it's got more pockets than you have fingers. Yes. I love Flanges. the pocket game. Yes. It's, uh, the, it's the cargo shorts of fanny packs, bro. True. That is true. Is I it khaki? Gotta, uh, no, it's, no, it's fire red. It goes with my Chiefs outfits. Oh, and, and those, my red. Those, dope, those dope new balances? That's absolutely right. So, uh, also metallic blue that's just, just fire as well. Oh. oh. But uh, we digress. So, you, you essentially fail a drug test because you aren't yeah. available. Yep. It right? took me a long time to accept that. My job as an athlete, to just fill out a piece of paper, email it to them, tell them I'm leaving the country. It's my job. Drop the ball. I totally forgot. And uh, I had to deal with the consequences. So what were the consequences? What happened? Uh, so I lost my place in LA because I was getting from sponsorship. I could no longer accept any sponsorship or anything for the year. So I lost my place, lost my car. Uh, yeah, lost all my ranking points, sponsorships, and had to come back to Kansas City and kind of crash on a friend's couch until I can get my life together. Mm. Because I don't know if you watched 30 for 30 Broke, some of us don't handle money well. Mm. Also, wasn't making any money. What do you mean by <laughs> us? Athletes. Oh, <laughs> athletes. All right. And by, by that, I mean black people. Oh, <laughs> that was not Shuffle very game nice. strong. Um, so you're sleeping on the couch. Um, it sounds like you yourself are going through a nasty funk. Yeah, and, and I didn't realize... Uh, until it was like over, I was like, "Oh man, that was dark." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you put on the you put on some weight again, didn't you? Yeah. So I, I just uh, I was pretty broke at the time, so mm. I would just like order dollar burgers at McDonald's mm. and delicious, and just drink uh, cheap vodka. Oh, which like when I talk about like I was drinking a lot and depressed, and then I hear like a story of like Ozzy Osbourne doing like. 32 gallons of acid yeah. on a Tuesday because he was just like, felt like it. I'm like, oh, I guess I wasn't Shut doing that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he would, I'm not saying that I'm mad that he's alive, but I'm saying that his legacy would have been in stone forever if he but would I feel have like died it gives you after hope, he though, bit right? the, No, no, it doesn't give you hope. Because you know what gives me hope? Like Hendrix, Joplin, uh, Cobain, when they all died at like, was it 27? Young, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh, man. They could have been great. Maybe I can be great. I can change the world. And then you see a person like Ozzy Osbourne who bit the head off a bat, which I'm vegan and I don't support that. But then if he would have died that night, he would have lived on forever. But now when you see Ozzy Osbourne, you're like, oh, oh, damn. I should have, I should have definitely left at 27. But perspective, uh, it's all in how you see things, right? Uh, I look at that situation and say to myself, well, if this dude is living his life that way, if he's, you know, doing however many gallons of acid and biting the head off bats and he's still going strong. Uh, no, no, he's not going strong. That's, <laughs> that's the problem. That's the problem. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Should have took him out back like old Yeller. Oh, oh. Like two decades ago. Oh, so you support. Okay. Uh, now we're maybe, now we're getting, maybe in Oregon. Okay. All right. I think that's the only place it's legal. So you're on the couch, you put on some weight, and uh, I, I saw some of these pictures you showed me one time, and I was, I was in awe that it was the same dude. I mean, you were yeah. really in, to hear you say it, a dark place. Uh, and what was your name again at this point? Uh, that was Lenroy Cameron Thompson Jr. You even had to think about that. Wait a second, your middle name was Cameron? Yeah, that's, Is, where, it came, that's where Cam came from. I did not know this. Yeah. So, okay, so don't get to the Cam yet. So, all right, so what happens? 
Uh, so I was, I ran out of money. Of course, it didn't take that long. And I had to uh, start, I, I decided to just like do boxing training that like put some ads on Craigslist and Facebook and uh, was just doing like boxing fitness classes. Uh, and I made myself leave the house for that hour a day because I was getting like some, some shine in the Kansas City Star and, and like people were starting to know who I am. And then like when I'd be in Walmart or something before like the suspension, I was like, hey, champ, you ready for the Olympics? Like, yeah. And then the suspension happened and I tried not to post about it, even though ESPN did. Uh, people would see me at Walmart like, hey, champ, you ready, ready for the Olympics? And I'm like, uh, see what, what had happened was then <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to go through like the, the whole story. But as soon as I mentioned drug tests, they just look at me like, yeah. And that's why I asked the question. Uh, you smoking weed? That's right. I'm like, no, and they don't even test you for that. Mm. Well, I'm glad that we cleared that up because I think that that's always been a question on many folks' mind, including my own. So I'm glad the smoke is gone. Yes. Oh, hey, man, bars, you, puns too. No, but that's called. Is that a pun? No, it wasn't a pun. What, what it was in reference to? That would have been pundemism had it been a pundemism. Oh, love so pundemism. You should trademark that. Yes. Okay, so you're on the couch. You're, you're having these conversations that you're not very proud of. What, what happens? Uh, so left the house to, go, uh, to start training people. And uh, this vegan couple like, come, come up and they're like tattoos everywhere. And there's just weird looking white people. And he called me up on the phone and was like, I want to train for my first fight. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, and... Like he showed up and he was, he had like a, a, a knee brace on. Like, I'm like, oh, this is my first client. It's my first fighter. And he's like, he's got a knee brace on. He can barely walk. He's significantly overweight. And also he's like 45 years old. Mm. And I was like, well, I need money. So like, and he's training and he did everything. And he like took everything super serious, but he's still like 50 pounds overweight. And, and he's like, hey man, I'm doing this vegan thing and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you're vegan, but you're kind of large. But. <laughs> Like every week you'd come back like five pounds shorter and five pounds shorter. And then he ended up losing like the 50 pounds. And, uh, during that time, like they're always kind of like, not, not preaching the veganism, just like kind of tell me about their diet. And, sure. Cause I need to know. And, uh, which is weird. That I was a fat personal trainer. Now I think about it. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of them out there though. Yeah. You know, you can never judge a book. You got thyroid issues and all that good stuff. You know, I respect the game regardless. Yeah. But that's kind of just like having like, like, a the person who puts on the A, a meeting, just, uh, just, just smelling like You're liquor. saying it's bad from a marketing standpoint yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, logically. So, but uh, obviously, you know, weight is something that a lot of folks battle. Some of it's hereditary and obviously it's something that, that you battled, no. you know, yeah. young in your life and, and you gravitate towards Still things battle. that would get you. Really? Still, oh, uh, yeah. So how did you, how did you go from that moment where you, you helped this dude lose 50 pounds and you were, you were Linroy Cameron Thompson Yep. to... Where you are today? Uh, we placed a bet. I remember how much money I would win. It was like maybe 100 bucks, something like that, uh, on this boxing match. And if I lost the bet, I had to be vegan for 28 days. And I lost the bet. And like, that was Saturday night. They show up to my house 6 a.m. the next morning, Sunday morning, ungodly early. Like, I'm probably still drunk. And they like have garbage bags. They're throwing all my food in there and kind of. I had to be vegan for 28 days. And what I didn't realize at the time was the diet entails sobriety. So I also couldn't drink at all. So I was eating clean, doing all that. And they kind of, they saved me because after I lost the weight, I was like, oh, I'll just, I, like, I feel good. I'll just do it for a little bit longer. And then, uh, been like six years now, but that's what got me out of that rut. And that's what like got me off of the teat. Mm, I like that reference. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Paola Panthers down there. That was a, that was a farm reference. Oh, I was going with Tito's. Oh. Although I was just drinking. But it would have been, it well. plays both ways. Yes, it does. So. And I accept it for who it is. <laughs> you, you reinvented yourself. Yeah. And, um, and, that's, and that's really the purpose of this particular podcast is reinventing oneself or, or your organization. Uh, a lot of folks out there are known for something and they're unhappy. They're unhappy in life. They're unhappy at work. Their organization isn't successful, whatever it may be. And so they're going through a rut, right? They're sleeping on the couch. They're sucking down Tito's, uh, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're trying to find who they are. Uh, you found who you were by uh, reinventing yourself. Yeah. Well, I didn't even find who I, cause I could just be whoever I felt like. And okay. at that moment, I was just like, I want to I be awesome. And I felt like I needed to, because I was 
changed my entire life. I was like, I'm going to start off completely fresh, new, new slate. I'm going to start my life over today. Uh, so I took $178, which is a lot of money at the time, mm. and uh, went to town hall, and I wanted to change my name from, because uh, l- my name legally was Lenroy, but everyone called me Cameron, and it got shortened to Cam, and if you saw me fight, it would have to be under Lenroy because it was my legal name, so if you knew me personally, you called me Cam. If you knew me from boxing, you called me Lenroy, and I was like, I want to be Cam, mm. and uh, I was going to change my name to Cam, and I was like, I should change my last name while I'm at here. I was like, Fawesome. <laughs> And at least had the foresight to know, well, that might be inappropriate. So I changed my middle name to just the letter F and my last name to Awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then I, that was, I did on my half birthday, February 16th. So February 16th, we celebrate the birth of Gamma Awesome. And on August 16th, we mourn or celebrate the death of... The life. Mm, I'm glad he died. He was not always a good person. That's okay. I think that... If it wasn't for that guy, you wouldn't be here though, right? Yes. So yes, uh, but I've done a lot of bad things, and I think if I didn't do those bad things, that I wouldn't realize how bad they were. Mm. So I've learned a lot. Of, I've taken a lot of from those lessons, and uh, being less of a terrible person. Sure. Well, one of our featured fundamentalisms is "Let It Go, Cam." And um, you named it "Let It Go, Cam." <laughs> <laughs> Man, I should think about doing that. Uh, it's let it go. So essentially, there's a lot of there's a lot wow, of Elsa. energy. Actually, yeah, that, that's absolutely right. Uh, experiences that plague a lot of folks: heartache, right? They drive depression, anxiety, and all that stuff, and it shapes your perspective on life. And as a result, you start to gravitate more towards things that tear you down. And and we don't see it at the time. We don't know that we're creating this environment, but we are based on our perspective that you referenced earlier. And so, one of the reasons why I admire you greatly, Cam, is that you saw who you were, what you've become, and, and you didn't want to accept that. And I think a lot of folks can relate to that. A lot of organizations relate to that. So you reinvented yourself, and you did it by specifically going and changing your name and introducing a new lifestyle, i.e. veganism. Yeah. And, and you, you, The way I did it and the reason why I did it like that is you, there's no way of going back. You can't, it's not like a Planet Fitness membership where you pay your $10 a month and if you don't go, it's not sure. the end of the world you're held accountable because if I didn't live up to the name awesome, my life just would suck. Sure. So yeah, I think, I think it, I think everyone should make themselves uncomfortable. Give yourself a month, do a 30 day challenge. It doesn't have to be vegan, but stop, do something to make your life uncomfortable. If you drink all the time, you smoke all the time, just take 30 days, take that out of your life and realize what a different person you are after those 30 days. And if you want to go back to your old habits, feel free. And 30 days isn't that long in the scheme of things. Mm. Man, uh, you're just, again, showcasing why we invited you on today. Um, Bars. There's so many more aspects of this story that uh, I want to get to, but unfortunately, we don't have the time, Cam. So if indeed you're interested or our listeners are interested in learning more about you, Cam, and um, where could they go? First of all, what do you do now? Uh, I, I live in a van now, <laughs> which... It's better than the couch situation, though, I promise. Sure. Uh, live in the van. And, but this was a choice. This yeah, is deliberate. Yeah. I actually totaled my car. I know it's, it's almost done, but uh, totaled my car on uh, April 1st, and I was, I was planning my first 51-day speaking tour. And I was going to travel around to high schools and middle schools all around uh, the country. Three hours in the tour, uh, three, three hours in the 51 days, I hit a sheet of ice, hit two medians, then a tree, totaled the car. Uh, a few cars pulled over to see if I was like all right, and like climbed out the ditch. And I realized, like as I opened the car door, I told myself, like however you get out of this car is how the situation's going to end. So like throw on the biggest smile and like, hey man, uh, he's like, are you all right? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. And I saw a sign that said like airport three miles. Like, can you take me to airport? And he's like, yeah, you sure you don't want to? Is every are you okay? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not concussed because you like in his mind he's like, oh this guy's crazy. Liability. Yeah. Oh, I see. No, what you're just yeah, a, yeah. But, and uh, he's like, why the airport? I was like, I'm gonna get a rental car. So got a rental car. Drove back to the crash site, took everything out of my car because it was packed because it was gone for 51 days. And because I lost all that time, I had to drive through the night to make it to the first gig on time. And also didn't have enough money to tow that car. Mm. So drove through the night, made it a gig, slept for two hours in the school parking lot. It's kind of creepy. And gave the speech, got the check, cashed it, called the towing place, and uh, got the car towed and continued on with the tour. And I ended up taking a loss on the tour because the rental car rate was so high, mm. but I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't speak on resilience and 
stopped three hours into. Sure. Yeah. So you said uh, you couldn't speak in resilience. So you're a speaker now. So yeah. you live in a van, you travel all over the country, and you're doing motivational speeches. Yeah. What are the, what are the topics uh, for our listeners? Uh, I speak on goal setting and resilience. I speak on, uh, which is especially important for uh, teens, social media use, proper social media use, how to use technology as an educational tool instead of a distraction. Uh, resilience, goal setting, uh, anti-bullying with a strong emphasis on cyberbullying. I would say if you want to adopt the fundamentalism's lifestyle, I would unfollow a lot of people online. Mm. And actually, if you don't need to be online, don't be online because it's, it's, it, it turned into an outlet where everyone shares their negativity and what they don't like. Yeah. I guarantee you, if you, your favorite person you follow, you can, tell, you can tell me everything they don't like, but you can't tell me anything they love. Mm. Well, uh, if you follow Fundamism Paul, I would, uh, I would challenge that perspective. However, uh, Cam, one thing that I can appreciate and that I got from you um, was how, how dependent I was on social media. And specifically, you had mentioned on a Twitter um, post one time about turning your notifications off and how it changed your life. And it did mine. I recently did that. And I did it right before my birthday. So I, f- I felt terrible because, you know, on the birthday, that's when everybody you shouts you out, right? Oh, and, and they're like, you're welcome. And I'm like, no, I'm not ignoring you. Like, I'm just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just, I just turn these off. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, Cam F. Awesome. If you want to learn more about Cam, learn more about his story and potentially book him for an upcoming uh, speaking engagement, where can they find you, Cam? Craigslist Misconnections. That is not true, but I oh. wish it was. Yes. <laughs> CelebritySportsSpeaker.com, uh, at Cam F. Awesome, C-A-M-F-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, on all of the social media platforms. Cam, I genuinely admire you, and I hope that our listeners do as well. Thank you very much for joining this episode of Fundamism, Connecting the Workplace and Life Through Fun, and helping individuals and organizations create a culture of experience. Have a fun day, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Bars. 